We're back with Finnish Football Show. We've got a bonus episode for you today. This couple, uh, the day after Finland played against Ukraine in the uh, World Cup 2022 qualifiers. Um, so we've had two games now in the last five days, and we thought we'd get together and just look back at those at those two games. And the Finnish Football Show is back to full strength, basically because I bothered my self to turn up for this episode um but i think you'll agree with me that the uh, the other boys did a, a cracking show last week and it's actually fun sometimes just to just to duck out and get to listen to the show as a as a fan of the show um so i'm joined today by keke hi keke hey and by mark hi mark hi and by rich hi rich hey um, it was quite nice last week because I, uh, you, you uploaded the show to our shared drive, and I listened to it while I was walking the dog. And there was all this kind of editors, editors cut, and, and special comments just for me. And podcasting feels kind of personal when you're listening to a podcast, anyway. But when when you're actually being trolled by the three hosts of the show personally, it's uh, it, it was good. It was good fun. So uh, I think it was it was good to get a show out just before um, the two games, just as a preview. Um, and we decided we'd we'd get together after the two qualifier games because on Wednesday this week there's a, a friendly game against uh, against Switzerland. So um, I think we're just heading to the two games. So back last week, Wednesday, twenty fourth of March. It was Finland against Bosnia-Herzegovina at home in Helsinki in front of a crowd of not many at all uh, because of uh, COVID restrictions. And Rich, you're looking studious. Why don't you lead us off with your thoughts about the about the Bosnia game? Um, it was a strange one because I think um, going into it, um, there was a lot of hype. I think um, obviously Finland's results over the last sort of two and a half years have been so good and people were reminiscing about the 2-0 the win over Bosnia a couple of years ago in Tampere and strangely it was weird because it kind of felt like a defeat I think being at home in this group you felt like home points are really crucial um, Finland played Okay, I think it was quite even the first half kind of ebbed and flowed. You know, Finland started quite well, Bosnia got back into it. And um, yeah, it was just one of those things where I think towards the end, um, you know, uh, Bosnia went 1-0 up in the second half with a very tenuous penalty. Um, really, I mean, a handball that two years ago wouldn't have been anything and now they're all given. Um, come back from from 1-0 down to lead 2-1, um, Temu Puki. His second goal in particular was excellent from the pass from the halfway line. Um, the first goal was decent. Um, Alho had a shot, hit the bar and came back to him. But yeah, 2-1 up with, what was it, six or seven minutes to go. And um, yeah, the uh, a slight deflection on the on the, uh, Bosnia shot and, and it went in and it felt having led you know quite late in the game in, a, in a, what, that sort of match that you think Finland really need to get points on the board. It was a bit deflating, really, but I think that some of the some of the performances were quite good. I think the 
you can tell that because that he's uh, Reva's still playing with three at the back, five at the back. He's still working out the system. I think you know we're coming up to the Euros now. He's still playing with he had Yuparaitala as a centre half, and it didn't really work at all. I think um, I don't want to blame him for the two goals, although he did concede the penalty and the deflection was off him. But it's um, you know he, he's a full he's a fullback or a wingback. He's not a centre half. Um, uh, he remedied that for the Ukraine game and put O'Shaughnessy there and put Reitler as a wing back. So uh, he's learning. Um, but I think, you know, you had some good performances anyway. I think Joranen playing in goal, you didn't miss Radetzky at all, which is a nice thing to say. Bear in mind, he's possibly Finland's best player. Um, Kalko in midfield was excellent, playing really well with Glenn Kamara. Um, the two centre halves who are the standards, Ariuri and Toivio. Decent, very good. And uh, Pukki at the moment is just, he's unstoppable. So uh, those two goals were fantastic. And um, yeah, I think there were flashes of excellent, but you're really starting to see now that beyond the starting 11 or, or those first choice, I'm, I'm not quite sure the replacements are really what what we need. I think that there's a noticeable drop-off if the first team drops out. Mark, maybe talk a little bit more about the the overall performance I think Rich gave a good summary there of how the game went what was the what was the uh, you know the, the formation how the team lined up and uh, and how did the how did the game go on well I'm still I mean I'm still waiting for this 3-5-2 thing to to sort of click on a on a regular basis I mean when it the, every now and again they get into pockets on the flanks where they manage to outnumber their opponents and move the ball really quickly and when it works it looks amazing and it's really sort of incisive and it, particularly it helps Pukki get in sort of behind the lines, but it's really rare that they actually get to have like that kind of uh, dynamism in against, against Bosnia, the midfield three struggled the whole, I mean, so in the first half, it was Kamara and, and Kauko that was back. And then it was uh, Oni Valakari. Just kept, he kept taking up really sort of forward positions to get the, get the ball out. So we could kind of play through. And I think, Rive didn't like that because he was so advanced. So he was pushing Lerda around for space in the final third. So he took Valakari off and put Schiller on. And as soon as he did, we had sort of a flat three and we couldn't get through the uh, Bosnian press. So they just sort of sat on top of us and really stifled Kamara, uh, Schiller and Kauko until, until the subs came in. And I thought that was, that was a, uh, that was a sort of a big problem. So this, this, Five three two three five two thing, we tend to sort of block uh, the middle of the pitch as well as, as particularly when you play against somebody like Bosnia, they're trying to block it as well. We played into their hands, and we couldn't get around them, so it was really sort of frustrating to see because it was we didn't make like for all we scored two goals. I think we didn't make more than four three four chances of any real merit or, or note. So you I said Buki like, did have a couple of really good chances really early on. I mean, classic kind of breakaway one-on-ones. It could have been a totally different game. So the first one was, I think, first, second minute. Nico Hamelainen got away from about three guys. He looks, by the way, Nico Hamelainen looked really good. I, like I, he's getting sort of stronger and you can tell he's getting that match experience because I think, you know, I really, really think he's going to be a, an absolute beast of a player. Um, but yeah, he got him. Buki had the the... The Bosnian centre backs for pace and uh, and and basically was able to outmuscle them as well. So he had them all day long, but uh, it was just so rare that we were able to get the ball 
in behind um, in behind the, the Bosnians. It just it was frustrating in that sense. There is this. There is. You mentioned it often. This kind of really intricate, quick one-touch football in the opposing third of the of the pitch, um, which sometimes when you're watching it, it feels like a dream from where we were like four four years ago. It's almost almost unbelievable. Um, Keke, um, can you pick out a couple of players that, that particularly caught your eye during that first game? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I think going back to what Rich said, the um, the performance of Joronen, I mean, he's... Um, He's he's made the initial save at the penalty. Was unlucky with a rebound. He's um, the even though that the Bosnia's second goal took a deflection, I thought he was he was very very close to getting a hand to that. So um, and as as Rich said there, you know, he's um, to lose arguably your best player to in, injury and then replace him with someone of the standard of Joranen is like. You know, that's that's every every manager's dream, isn't it? You know, he's um, I think over over the Bosnia go over the two pieces actually. He's 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 done brilliant. Um, also, I want to give uh, Yoni Kalko a bit of love because um, the way that he the way that he kept that chance alive when uh, when Alho slammed his shot against the bar there. I mean, everyone else was sort of looking either expecting that that would have gone in. Or just sort of froze to the spot, you know, looking where where it was going, and Kalko was was alive and and kept the chance going, nodded the ball straight back into the danger area for for Puki to sort of half volley home. So, I I just think Kalko, I I I can't get enough of him. Big, strong, aggressive player. So um, yeah, I think I think he did well as well in the in the Bosnia game. Same as what Mark said, Hammerlinen, you know, he's. Um, Obviously, young, still learning his trade there at QPR, but he's um, he, he had a, he had a decent game. The first, I thought, the first five or ten, we looked like we looked like oh, we're going to grab this game by the scruff of the neck, and and here we go. But after that that initial out of the blocks sort of thing, it it, it did calm down a bit, and and Bosnia sort of grew into the game. And the um, I mean the 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 stats sort of tell their own story. I think. Bosnia had the lion's share of the possession. They had the the, the more more shots, the, the more chances. But um, but yeah, it's and we've come and again, as Rich said, we've come away after after taking it to two one. We've come away with a, a sort of a, a feeling of deflation, a, a feeling like a defeat where they've sort of nicked a nicked a draw at the end. But I think on when you when you do break it down and you look at the performances and the statistics, I think a, a, a two two was a fair result, to be honest. Rich, what about this partnership up front with uh, Puki and Robin Ludd? Uh, it's been Puki and uh, Joel Bokimpalo for for a while now, uh, and that was looking good. But there was the injury to Yole before Christmas, and Robin Ludd's played there with Puki in the last couple of games. What did you what did you make of that? Um, I mean, I've been a big fan of, of Lud for years um, since he was at Hoiko. Um I, I think it's difficult for him in that he's not an out-and-out striker. He's not he, he as a midfielder. He doesn't seem to, as a wide player. It's almost like he can't be pigeonholed, and therefore you're not really sure where to play him. And I, he has produced his best form in a Finland shirt off Puki, 
uh, and especially Pookie in the last couple of years where, I mean, we were going to later, we had a big chat on the WhatsApp group about how many of this squad have developed over over a period of time. And Lud, I mean, it's, he's doing so well in MLS for Minnesota. He's scoring plenty of goals. He's getting, he's really attacking. And I think that partnership, I think, again, it might be one of these that depends on the game because some games having Pookie and Boy and Ballard together won't work. Um, sometimes having Lud won't work. I mean, we oh, against Bosnia, they started with Valakari up front, which Chiburis didn't particularly work. I mean, Valakari's a great player and in great form, but that partnership, maybe one day it might gel properly. But um, a big fan of Lud, and to be honest, if he was the kind of number 10 behind Pookie, I'd, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, neither of them are, are particularly uh, big, but they, they play quite... They play quite a distinctive game with Pookie always on the shoulder, like like he is for Norwich as well. He's always looking mm. to get beyond, and that's where the two goals and the other chances all all came from. But they were always looking for each other and often finding each other as well. Yeah, it's um, it's good partnership. And they're both tricky to get off the ball, so they're not exactly strong or, or big, but they both shield the ball really well and uh, and you know and move it around. Uh, like the know. old Kenny Dalglish with his massive behind. <laughs> just yeah. who, are just, you saying someone's bum looks big in their hooker yeah, shorts? Well, I say we, we didn't get sent shorts to try out, so I don't know if they're any good. <laughs> yeah. Keke. Just um, just on Robin Ludd there, I mean, um, he's he's in the same boat as as Yukaraitala. They're they're both in MLS. That that season hasn't hasn't taken off yet. So for those guys to sort of start in a game of that magnitude, you know, um it's uh, I suppose it's a, a, a credit to them to, for keeping themselves sort of fit in in the off season, in the American off season, as it were, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I, I I personally was a little bit, uh, are these guys going to be off the pace or whatever because of um, because of the fact that they haven't got started in the MLS yet? But certainly with Lerd, that wasn't the case at all. I think he he was uh, another one who you could say. Got definitely came away with pass marks over the, over the Bosnia game, and just a quick shout for Poyan Bello as well. Um, you know, uh, I he didn't quite have the impact that I predicted, but it was his uh, it was his long punt upfield that created the second goal. So I'm claiming that. Got the assist. <laughs> uh, any anything else that, that sort of stood out about the about the first game on on Wednesday? Apart from the fact that you're right, it, it was. It felt like a defeat, even with all the with all the positives there from that from that game. At the end, it felt a little bit flat, and it felt like that might have been the well, it should have been the easier of the two games that were that were going to be played over this uh, over this period. Well, I think I think it's a bit like Rich said, which is that it is. It's, it's I think we're we're in a luxury position because it's unusual for us to get to eighty five minutes and not see the game out. So for the last three or four years, we've been in this position loads of times with a slender one advantage. Maybe we deserved it, maybe we didn't. But almost almost all every time we've made, we've been able to just sort of knuckle down and see it out. And this time, I think it was just a it's just a case of there was too many at the back. So Raitala was one who was he was not sure about where he should be. His position wasn't great, and and he, I think his tackling was also not good. Nikolai Alho as well defensively was was not great against Bosnia. So I think there was a bunch. I mean, for the penalty, I think it was, I'm, I'm right in saying that he he headed it vertically up. Like there was a cross came in, he sort of 
blindly stuck his head forward and hit it and it went straight up in the air and then came back down and right till I went to go for it then it hit his arm and we got a penalty but there was quite many instances where we just didn't look quite solid enough at the back did, did, it, did we get to the bottom of the problem with the broadcasting of the games it's been on via free which it has been in in the last few years as well but I had all kinds of trouble trying to get logged in. Now, I'm, in I'm in Finland trying to log in to watch the game. Keke's found his way to, to watch the game eventually on his phone. I end up watching this game on my phone, which is it's just a horrible experience. Like sitting there trying to find a way to hold the phone in front of your face without having your arms in the air for an hour and a half. And and it's, I don't know, it's just, just difficult. I, I found it difficult to really get into the game in the same way because I was looking at this little screen in front of me. Any, any, anything come out since then? Uh, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I, I, it's on Sky Sports, all, all the qualifier games are on Sky Sports over here. Um, I don't have Sky Sports because I'm tight and uh, I use my mate's password, but it turned out that using the via free over here with a VPN was still quicker than watching the Sky Sports one. Okay. On on the on the iPad, so I ended up watching it on that. So, um, yeah, it would just be nice to watch a game on a telly. I say, <laughs> at least we get those free games in the summer, I suppose. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm used to watching them on the iPad, so it's fine. Yeah, and and I did actually see friend of the show Larry from Asicor posted something online saying. Um, that if you can't, I think it's something along the lines of if you can't get to watch the game, try the Safari browser, which. When I then did the, uh, we, we tried about four or five devices in my house and it, none of them would work and apart from my phone. And it was only th- two days later that I realised, oh yeah, that was the Safari browser on my phone. Um, so we went straight for that on, on Sunday and connected the laptop straight into the TV. So it was, uh, that, that was okay. But um, it was weird. It was weird that it would only work on, on certain browsers on certain devices because in the past it's been a, it's been a decent service. Via free Swami's got a Twitter account. So next time next time you haven't any bother, just give them give them a hit because I think there's about four or five people that there's the technical support and a bunch of others actually kind of keep an eye on it. Oh, okay. So you never know. So you can either follow them or, or or just give them a give them a buzz and say, Hey, via free, sort it out. I'm not I'm not sure how that'll go down. I'm I'm in London trying to watch your broadcast <laughs> via a VPN <laughs> and it won't work on my iPad. <laughs> All right, I tell you what, Keke, you, if you're having story. trouble, if you're having trouble, you tell me and I'll tweet on your behalf. Yeah, oh dear. Uh, but no, I managed to managed to watch it on my phone and um, yeah, I'd have preferred a bigger screen. But yeah, I I don't pay for Sky Sports either, so it serves me right. Well, buy t- if you want a bigger t-shirts. screen, yeah. you need a bigger phone. Hmm. Buy t-shirts. <laughs> that okay, well, that, that's a good that's a good opportunity let's take perfect segue perfect segue let's pause there and take a commercial break right and the commercial break is going to be for our web shop now keke let's have a word about this web shop you've got a lovely t-shirt there show the show the boys and girls your t-shirt so i am wearing the uh the finnish football show hookah host host t-shirt so you've got hayton there Who's that? Wiltshire. That's me, That's me down there, Moonlurry. And then you got Nelson, number 14. So, um, yeah, soon enough, you'll be able to purchase these on our web shop. Well, you see, I, I too 
have got my new Finnish football show merchandise on. Not so sure about if anyone now, now Keke, if anyone's listening would like, yeah, this is this is the the team colours. So we've got a, I, I designed, uh, I, I actually sort of set up uh, the the Finnish football show logo design in all the colours for the Fake House Liga team. So you could buy a T-shirt in your team's colours. You can support the Finnish football show while supporting. Your team, while you're at the Bakehouse Liga. Now, Keke, where can people buy these T-shirts? I'm not sure at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we're, uh, I'm, I'm currently working on getting the uh, the tpublic.com shop back up and running. So, um, yeah, look out for the links across our social media networks. And, um, and yeah, we'll uh, by, by the time the next show comes out, we'll, I'll have a full address for you. Uh, Keke, would you like to explain why you're not able to provide people with a with a full address now? What happened? I I, I think I infringed an Adidas copyright. <laughs> so if anyone from Adidas is listening, I'm really sorry. Yeah, they came and took the one off my t-shirt. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> also, if anyone from Sky Sports is listening, also sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If anyone from anywhere is listening, we're sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't worry, boys. No one's listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, they hopefully will be merch soon. Yeah, coffee mugs we can as just, well. Or just give us money. Yeah, yeah. That, that is, that, that's the point. Yeah, well, that's the point. So there were, in, in this design that I'm wearing, I, I set it up so that there was apparel, various sort of hoodies and T-shirts and things. There were mugs. And there were also face masks. And the way things are going when the Bakehouse Liga season opens, um, and I just held back from ordering my face mask, but it was it was this. So it was the Ashicore gold, um, and the whole mask was going to be gold with the logo on the front. And it looks it looked like it was going to be awesome, but I just decided not to get it. Oh, gold now member. We can't, now we can't order anything. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. Gold member. That's me. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> okay let's end let's end the uh the commercial the commercial break uh we'll let you all know when the when the merch is back okay let's head into part two and uh and talk about ukraine one finland one um maybe mark head off this with this game yeah well i mean i think the interesting thing was before the Ukraine game, after Bosnia and after the Ukraine had nicked a, a draw in France, everybody was expecting that this would be like a bloodbath, that, that, that Ukraine would come out of the traps and, and press high, be really energetic, really kind of put Finland under the cosh. Um, and I think, you know, first five, ten minutes, nothing happened. Nothing materialised. So Vivek stuck with his sort of three five two, which I think also surprised a lot of people because we thought he was going to revert back to type after the Bosnia game. But the, the the big sort of press and the big energy that we'd expected from Ukraine didn't really materialise. Um, we had a number of good chances again in the opening exchanges. So uh, Puki got in behind, I think, twice uh, twice again. Uh, one with a good, good, uh, good body work from Alvin Granlund. Um, but Granlund himself, he took a corner to the face and had to go off with a concussion, which I thought was a big... Big, big shame because um, he'd been playing really well. I mean, he was only on, I think, 15 minutes or so. Uh, I think he took, took it in the face on about 10 and then sort of staggered around for about five minutes. Um, and an interesting, obviously- interesting situation, really, because it, it travelled from a long way 
Didn't it? Did it come straight in from the corner, or did someone kick it at him from closer by? No, no. So it came in from the corner, but he got sort of sandwiched in the run up. So he was he he went up to sort of try and head it, and the Ukrainian lads were pushing him along, and he just sort of got ragdolled a bit towards the ball, and it sort of hit him on the side of the head as he was yeah. going the other way. And he looked. I mean, he got back on his feet and he tried to shake it off and, and keep going because seemed pretty pretty tough like that. But I think after about five minutes, I think he was innocuously just sort of hunched over and said he yeah. started to make signals that he couldn't see straight. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's it was the ball that hit him as well. It wasn't a head or an arm or anything. So it's interesting or unusual to see a player get that affected with a face, a ball in the face. It seemed to affect his vision more than mm. anything. I don't know if he, you know, if it, you know, I, I'm not. A, medical expert I mean if that's a sign of concussion or whatever but um but I just thought I was I was fearing the worst thinking you know is that that slam to the face sort of detached his retina or something because he seemed to be really struggling with his with his vision and he was um and he was visibly upset after to leave the field you know it was um he he tried his best to carry on as Mark said but he um yeah I think he was uh he, he didn't want to he didn't want to throw the towel in and leave the field but he he sort of understood for the good of himself and the team it was the the right thing to do but he was um i think you know there was there was there was tears before bedtime there he was visibly shaken after after to leave the field leave the field after after as mark said plan a plan an excellent first 10 minutes so hopefully it's nothing too serious i, I haven't seen much come out about it now other than that, um he's left the squad and and been replaced by uh Thomas Lamb, I believe. So, um, yeah, we just uh, wish Albin all the best. I hope it get well soon. Yeah, yeah Mark, Mark carry, carry on after after that first 15 minutes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, after that, uh, after 15 minutes, after after Alho came on, again, I think we got a little bit sort of stuck. Alho's his positioning was never really uh, reliable. He never quite knew where to stand uh, on the on that right flank. And it's a, it's a strange thing because as we get to later, after we score, he always seems to know where to be. But as soon as he gets onto the pitch and we have to, he has to do a job. He, he sometimes kind of find, makes it difficult to find his his right position. Uh, after that, we didn't really create anything, and Ukraine sort of slowly started to make more chances uh, and kind of control the ball. Although I thought really they didn't do they didn't do us any real real damage. They I think we had one or two areas, two flaps around in the box when when we sort of struggled to clear it. But um, in a similar way to handling Dzeko, uh, Arayuri and Doivio did a good job with that. Uh, I think it's Yeremchuk was the guy, the big six foot three um, Ukrainian centre forward. So we managed to handle him, and it was a it was a bit of a you know it was a game of attrition. It was one for the purists in a sense. It was it, it wasn't particularly um, entertaining to watch until sort of the latter stages when we made we made a bunch of substitutions. They brought on the two. Brazilian lads and uh, Kovalenko, and um, that 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 sort of switch from having that big, uh, heavy target man to having sort of a couple of relatively quick technical players did us in a bit. They got in behind, uh, in behind O'Shaughnessy, and then whipped across in for the for for a tap in for the opener goal. It's one of those ones where the ball was just worked really well. Like every every gap was a couple of like an inch wide. And they hit every pass, hit every turn, smashed it across the box, and it was an easy tap in. So it was a well worked goal that you you concede at the top level. And I thought after that, after that, we came to life, right? We just we just sort of switched on all of a sudden, 
We had, I think, three or four chances in a, in a, in a, in a matter of about five minutes. Uh, Arayuri, you know, he was about he was a stud away from connecting to a cross. Alagaza, ninety six, and then he hit it, headed it, he hit a smashing header from the corner onto the post. Yeah. Um, and then I think Lord had a, Lord had a free kick from distance and and a, and a breakaway. And um, there was yeah, there was there was a couple of there was a couple of others before <laughs> before the craziest penalty conceded I've, I've ever seen. Rich, you, Rich, do you want to do you want to give us a, a bit of a, a, a commentary of how how the penalty came about? Um, I mean, this was after, as Mark said, you know, a period of pretty sustained pressure. I think Ukraine suddenly realised, right, we're one nil up here. Let's shut up shop. Um, Finland come out all swinging, and um, again, like the uh, the second goal against Bosnia, it was a long ball over the top. The defence were on it. Um, they had the ball. Um, and this is where my kind of point around the development of players comes in because the team of Pukki of, I think we used 2015 as a guide, yeah. he would have quite easily chased that ball down because that was his skill. But, you know, in the 80, what, ninth minute, 88th minute, yeah. chasing this ball, you know, essentially he had no right to win it because he pressed and hassled the defender into, I mean, it was an absolute rick. He's tried to put, <laughs> play it back to the goalkeeper stumbled over it Pukki's taken it off him and then he's just kind of fallen on top of him face first into the turf and the referee just at least he gave him a couple of seconds before he waved the red card at him but on the, on the edge of his own six yard yeah, yeah. I mean it was a comedy defending I mean it's the sort of thing that you'd laugh if Finland did it but it's um, it's one of those that Pukki won that penalty fair, you know by hassling by chasing by pressing everything that you know, in the second to last minute of the second international in four days, he's still doing it. Yeah, and um, I mean, it was it was one of those things. It was nice to get the rub going our way for once because quite you know they generally been on. I'm not making this a conspiracy, but you do kind of feel like sometimes perhaps the decisions go the other way more often than not. Well, so, I mean, so Raithala's penalty against Bosnia was unlucky because it was really mm. soft and it hit his arm. There was the same, a similar case in the Ukraine game where I think it was it was a lod to Puki and there was an interception. The ball bobbled up and it hit the Ukrainian defender in the arm in the first mm. half. And you think, well, if there's any, cons- I mean, it's not a penalty because I mean, if, if 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 I was defending, if I was playing and that got given, I'd be livid. So I, I was kind of happy to see it let go. But but by the same token. Right, that I got punished for the same thing a week mm. before, and you do think like it's not a conspiracy, but they yeah. do stack, they do tend to stack up those things. But this is the thing now, where and as Cristiano Ronaldo found out the other night, you know, because there aren't there isn't VAR yeah. in these qualifiers. I mean, I'm not saying there should be, but you kind of think there is in some game, like you know, the, the finals, and and it is a kind of you know top level players are now used to VAR, yeah, and. To be honest, Finland are supposed to be getting it in Vegas League next year. So we're at that point where, you know, would it be given? Who knows? I mean, this, this is a thing. But I mean, that was the most stone bunker, clear stone wall penalty yeah. you'll ever see. And they earned it through hard running, through clever pressing of that defender and made him make a mistake. And um, it was a fantastic penalty as well. I mean, that's a player at the peak of confidence, at the peak of his powers. I mean, he's never played better than he has now. Yeah. And the five or six years ago of Pukki, that, that, that would have gone at the keeper. 
Um, and yeah, you, you, know. you could have told that keeper. You could have said, "Look, I'm going to hit it hard, low, bottom, uh, bottom mm. left." And he did. He just he wouldn't. He did not got there. there was, he could have stood no there and not kept it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, what, what about uh, some of the some of the sort of standout players in in this game? I I, I I don't know if we've had this conversation on here before, but but Mrs W said to me, she said, "You always you always go on about Glenn Kamara, but I don't I don't see what he does. He doesn't seem to do anything special." Um, I, I, I I disagree with that, Keke. What do you think? He, he's a Rolls Royce of a footballer. He's mm. just he's just absolutely fantastic. He's you know, as we mentioned the other week, um, it, which is why it well, it, it was such a surprise, but wasn't a surprise the way he reacted against that awful abuse he had the other week because he's so calm. He's calm, collected. He doesn't panic. You can't really ruffle him. He's he's just an absolute Rolls Royce of a footballer. I mean, I think it was the 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 Ukraine game. He um, couple of the guys are around him and he, he just saw it was a little drag back and a, and a little you know sort of back heel into the path of one of his teammates he's just he's, he's on another level for me Glenn Kamara and I just think yeah with with it with him on the pitch you you've always you've always got a chance he's um he's he's a destroyer he doesn't mind breaking up the opposition but he's a creator as well he's just he's just coming on to be the perfect midfielder I think yeah and he's, he's being targeted now so against both mm. Bosnia and against Ukraine, there was three guys on him. The second he got the ball, they they, they just they 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 need to like lock him down. So he, he still comes out of it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that article in El Moletti. Um, I think they were kind of looking at now where Finland sit in the kind of European football table. You know where they are, and it was kind of suggesting. And we, we uh, touched on it last night, but where now teams are now planning to how they play against Finland, how they deal with certain problems. And obviously Pukki is the, the main one, but Kamara is the one who engineers a lot for midfield and by nullifying him, and, and he probably by his own admission didn't have the best two games in the last week. I mean, he, he had moments, he did quite well, but you can see definitely both teams now, and I think this is going to become a thing, where we're in a group where France will probably win that group. Kazakhstan will probably finish bottom, but now you've got three teams all very close, and you're thinking now it's going to be lots of draws. Mm. You know, goal difference might come into it, and all this to come into second place. And now Finland are seen as maybe not a threat, but they looked at something you can, you have to take them seriously. You can't let them because maybe this was the element of surprise that they had in the Nations League and the Euro qualifiers that teams didn't take them seriously enough, and they counter attack and they do stuff that they weren't used to from Finland and now all of a sudden they are a bit like okay we need to we need to look at how we deal with this and I think we're seeing that now especially this season with um, Kamara being targeted I mean Puki whatever plans they put in place didn't really work because he scored three goals could have had six um, and was dangerous throughout both games but um, yeah I think that's something we're going to have to kind of get used to now that they've kind of moved up that level and perhaps we're going to see teams now, you know, with a game plan to to stop them. Be interesting to see what what Glenn Kamara does next season for his club side as well. Obviously, he's had a couple of really good, successful now, you know, uh, championship winning season with Rangers up in Scotland, and and they had a decent run in the uh, in the Europa League 
as well. Um, do you think he'll move on? I I personally think he'll he'll hang about for another season. Um, okay. I think the Gerard factor is massive in that. Um, I think them being in the Champions League, winning this season's championship, being in the Champions League next season is also a factor in that. There's talk of a new contract for him. So if he gets if he gets those three things, Champions League football, to stick around with Steven Gerrard a bit longer and a nice fat pay rise, then I don't see why he would why he would move on just at this moment. But also I think if he if he if he and or if Rangers and he perform in the Champions League, anything like they have in the Europa League, that just opens the shop window for Glenn Kamara even further. And then I firmly believe that Europe's elite clubs will come come looking for him. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that he he should leave Rangers because of what Rangers is as a club. It was more about the the competition and just stepping up there, consistent, better quality opposition but you're right Champions League football could well be the uh, the, the next step and uh, and then you've got a play then you've got a player kind of playing at the highest level around which Finland can build its build its team in the in the future just just one point I wanted to make just on the Ukraine game is um it was uh as as the boys have touched on especially Mark there it was um it was kind of a it was kind of a, a tough watch at the start we seemed to we seem to sort of invite invite them onto us as a um, I don't know what what are they what do these tacticians call it these days a a, a low block and it is that what they call it but um, you know like we seem to sort of and and you know I'm no football manager that's why that's why I'm here and and Rive's in charge of the national team but he he seemed to sort of and looking at it. Uh, when, I, when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, my God, what are we doing here? Keep inviting them onto us. But he must have looked at that that Ukraine side, realised that they they could do that, sort of invite them on and, and and we could deal with deal with whatever they had to throw at us and then try and get them on the break. But it was interesting, as the guys have said, Al, as soon as as soon as Ukraine did get that goal to go one nil up, it was it was like someone flicked a switch all of a sudden. Here we go, and um, it just does make me wonder, you know, what um, if we'd have, you know, this is typical fan talk. But if we'd have gone for it from the start, what um, what might have happened? But you know, I don't think we can complain too much with a with a one one draw away in Ukraine. And also, would we have gone for it in the last ten minutes if we hadn't conceded that goal? Because you, you'd like to think, okay, we've got you got you know you've held them off eighty minutes. Now let's go for it. Let's win the game. Yeah, we, so before just before we conceded, the last change we made was was Robert Taylor coming on. So our, our midfield three of the of the five was uh, Kamara, Ludd, and Taylor. Yeah, and that's not like so. There's 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 only really Kamara that can sort of think defensively or, or act defensively in that in that group. But I do. I mean. It's one of those things. It's it's easy in hindsight to say that we should have should have or could have done something a, a bit differently. But the one thing that I will say is that when we put them under pressure for ten minutes, it didn't take long to break them. And I think we had, like you know, Paulus hits if Paulus's header you know hits the other side of the post and goes in, it's it's a you know it's a different story. I think so. We did we could have we could have <laughs> I think damaged them a lot more. And, I, and I'm optimistic about the home leg. Well, I think with the, the the way the results have gone, in that we're going into, I mean, there's now five months, I think, until the next game in the group. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Finland, I mean, second after two games, but it's going to be that close. Really, you're going to have Bosnia, Ukraine, Finland duking it out for that second spot. Um, going into it, you've got two games, two draws. Um, they haven't lost. That's the main thing. If they'd lost to those one of those two teams, there's already a gap. Um, I, I don't know because Kazakhstan aren't a bottom seed, are they? They're a fifth seed because it's a small group. So yeah. they're not a San Marino. They're not a whipping boy. They're, they'll be, you know, they're, they're not going to be cones standing there waiting to be taken on. So it'll be interesting how that goes. But if if that next round of fixtures, I mean, if they beat Kazakhstan at home, which fingers crossed in September, um, suddenly, you know, get that bit of momentum going. And that's what Finland did well in the Nations League the time they won um, two years ago. They got momentum and that took them through. Um, and I think if they can go into Kazakhstan, hopefully get a good result there and then, you know, because you've still got to go to Paris, you've still got to go to Bosnia. Um, you need some points on the board before that. And I think, you know, we've got the Euros, we've got God knows how many friendlies before then as well. So it's a jam-packed year. And, I, and you know, I don't mean to segue onto the next subject, but as we discussed last night, I think there might be some changes in personnel in the squad between now and, and by September, certainly by the end of this campaign. I'm fascinated about Wednesday night um, in in the rest of the group because I look at France, you know, and Kazakhstan, and I think because I think I think France struggled against Kazakhstan, right? Like it was a, it was a two nil, and one two of the nil. two was a, was an own goal. So I mean, they they dominated possession, but it was only a two nil a two nil win. Now France go play Bosnia and Ukraine go and play Kazakhstan. So we get to find out: are Kazakhstan more organised than we think they are, or are France having maybe a bit of a wobble? Because I look at, I mean, Ukraine went to France and took a point. We beat France, you know, six France, months ago. France drew with Luxembourg a couple of years ago at home. I mean, obviously yeah. Luxembourg are the, one of the best teams in Europe now after beating Ireland. But it's, um, <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't laugh being Irish. Um, it's, um, but no, I mean, France in qualifying do stutter quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, even the World Cup that they won. They weren't yeah. the best. I mean, they they didn't play that well during the tournament. And they were obviously the best team, but I think yeah. th- they weren't the kind of, you know, when sometimes you get these swashbuckling teams that go yeah. and win a tournament. They had a few stumbles there too. I mean, they, that game against Argentina in the second round, phenomenal game, could have lost and could have yeah. gone out in the last 16. So <laughs> I'm not <laughs> obviously they're beatable because Finland beat them three or four months ago. But it's, um, you know, for, for a world champion team, they do have these moments. They do have a, they do have a moment there. So, yeah, by by the end of Wednesday, then we're going to this big gap. We'll see where the table lies. I was just going to say there, just touching on France, just quickly, as we've seen, you know, like following Finland and and being lucky enough to speak to people in and around the camp, and we've 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 seen firsthand that there there's there's no egos in that squad at all. You know, these guys are down to earth. They're all in it together. There's such a such a team spirit amongst that squad. And I don't, I'm not sure you can say that about a team like France. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that goes a long way when it's 11 v 11 and, you know, and it's nil nil at the start. I think that that goes a long way. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how we get on in Paris. Yeah, maybe we'll have a quick a few minutes uh, about what we what we expect from the Switzerland game uh, just at the end. But um, Rich, what are your what are your thoughts about players that are maybe have developed nicely and those that might be 
come into the end, and I guess also those that are coming fresh into the squad recently. Um, I, I think Pukki is the example I'll hold above everything. I think uh, a lot of it is um, the various choices he's made at club level. He's he's found somewhere. You know, I mean, he had that spell at Schalke, Celtic. He was a... He, People thought he was a busted flush. I mean, he was still young then. I mean, he's 31 today as we speak. Mm. Um, but his form over the last, we count his time at Bromba as well, but he's had two and a half years at Norwich. He's been phenomenal. Um, he's now the second leading goal scorer for Finland. Um, five or six years ago when he played for Finland, he was like a golden retriever. He'd run around up front. Everything was his movement, his attitude, everything is great. Couldn't finish. Absolutely. You stick him in front of goal and you think, oh, come on. Now, you, I would say you bet the house on him because he still does have these, you know, he, he almost needs a couple to get his eye in. But, mm. you know, he scored three goals in the last two games. He's now two goals behind Yari Littman and in the men's scoring charts. Um, his development, and I think, you know, you could say it with any player, but I mean, whether it's, fitness confidence he's got he's made the right decisions but he's a different player now he's um he's become what i didn't think he could do this mm. to be honest I, I i wasn't sure about him however many years ago but um yeah in the last three three and a half years he's just been phenomenal and um him i mean we talked about it on our whatsapp last night you know i mean calco was a name that came up as well yeah. um you know these are players who you know they didn't emerge as these sort of 18, 19-year-olds that some countries have. And, you know, Finland, when Poyen Palo came through, I think a lot of people thought he was the next, I don't know, Ronaldo, like original Ronaldo or Michael Owen or something like that. And through injuries and club choices and stuff, that hasn't really worked out either. But, um, yeah, there are players in that squad who have grown into being very, very good international footballers. I mean, another good example is is Joana Toivio. So Toivio was, you know, like when he was a young centre-back, uh, centre-back, left-back, defensive midfielder, good on the ball, good in the air. He used to hit those howitzer free kicks from 40 yards, something he's still trying, which I think he should stop because it's been a, it's been a fair few years since he's done it. But Toivio was one, <laughs> when he was at Joe Gordon's about, it was about, about seven or eight years ago, everybody thought this kid's going to be like, you know, next Hoopia, you know, next, next, you know, top quality international defender. And then he moved to, I think, Mulder in, uh, in, in, in Norway. And for about three or four years, you know, in the national team, he was the guy that stood beside Nicholas Moisander, who basically just held Moisander's beer. And you, you kind of always had that thing that he had a, he had a, you know, he had a rick in him. He was, he was not a hundred percent reliable and, and um, he, he did flatter to deceive and got caught in possession. He, in the last couple of years, since he moved to, I think, Hacken, since he started getting regular games at Hacken, he's just matured as a player fantastically well. And and you look at him and, and Arayuri next to each other at the back, or Shaughnessy as well, is a, is a, is a you know, really, really good addition to that. They look, you know, almost impenetrable. Jekko, World class, I mean, 35, okay, so he's the other side of the hill, but he's a top quality player. They kept him, he got nothing. He got nothing in the Bosnia game. And this kid, this Yeremchuk guy, he's one and three at the at international level. He scores one and three. And again, they got they got no change out of them. This is so, I mean, Arayuri as well. He's always been, I think Arayuri's always been, a, you know, a bit of a bull and a, a top quality player. But but Doivio in particular has really matured into a nice, Command and centre back who who you can you've got faith in 
Do you think yeah, some of these was... players might might also get moves like like Ariyuri, for example, is playing in Cyprus at the moment with Onni Valakari. Now, no no issues with them playing in Cyprus. They both got very nice suntans as well when they when they <laughs> turn up in Finland in the middle of March. But these these are these are players that are perf- especially Ariyuri. I'm thinking now. You know, he's he's. Uh, an established international defender that's playing well, couldn't he be playing somewhere stronger? I mean, could, I, mean I think he could. You know, if he, like he, he moved to Cyprus from Bronby, but um, but I think I mean, it's it, it, I suppose at that age, it's 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 a difficult choice, right? Because someone's is someone going to take a chance on a thirty-two-year-old sort of centre back? Probably not. And if I look at if I, if I'm in Paulus's ba- ba- shoes, Cyprus is the kind of place where you could play for another three or four years, mm. you know, and probably maintain your international level and your competitiveness, you know. So he's, he looks, I mean, you know, he looks as sharp, if not sharper, than when mm. Bromby. So mm. I think you know, uh, I'm happy if he stays there. I mean, he was, I suppose, back when he played for Potsdam, he was an absolute monster. Like he was like that was when he was probably in his in his prime or in his peak. But um, but I think he'll be pretty happy in Cyprus for the for the foreseeable. That was his um, that was his fiftieth cap yesterday, Ooh. and um, Toivio's also got over fifty caps. I mean, yeah. but that that partnership that they've they've got together, I mean, um, yeah, name a better pair. I'll wait. Do you know what I mean? It's just like they're. Um, they're, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal together, and I think uh, there's a lot to be said for that understanding and that that partnership that's developed. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not. It's all right having having you know players at, at more established or, or better clubs, but they might not necessarily have the understanding that these two have got together. You know, I think that that goes a long way. Yeah. I think this team is built on. A lot of partnerships in that team working well. I mean, you've got a quality spine. And I think, like we said, I mean, we haven't mentioned Tim Sparv. And mm. that's where we'll come on to probably shortly. I mean, he got his 80th cap. Go on, on to Rich, carry on. Well, um, I mean, Sparv for probably 18 months, two years, has been carrying a lot of niggling injuries. He's looked like he's, I mean, he's 34 now. He's now playing in Greece and not getting a lot of game time. He's been carrying these knee injuries and, and he's at that point now where his role in the team has been as a great partner for Kamara. And I think Kamara's played well with Sparv because they complement each other. Yeah. Sparv, as an individual, I, he's not really been around enough because he's he's been injured. He's not getting regular minutes. So it's difficult to see... You know, and and he's made these comments about you know is his Greek club right for him? There's all these rumours. I mean, I didn't realise they were managed by Gianluca Festa, who used to play for Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, but um, there's all this stuff, and and you get the feeling that you know at what point, and this is where the, the weird calendar for this year comes in, because of course, you know, Finland after I think they failed to qualify for the last World Cup when Moisander stopped playing, Hetemai stopped playing for different reasons, Eremenko stopped playing for very different reasons. They had a bit of a change where these sort of squad rotations were forced on them and it worked out really well. Um, normally after international tournaments, you get a glut of international retirements yeah. because it's a new cycle. This one's weird because we're halfway through a World Cup qualifying campaign, then the Euro start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're now seeing 
what is coming after. I mean, Spars has had that many caps. He's been the captain for, for years. He's been a regular in midfield. And they're now almost struggling to find the best pairing. At the moment, it looks like Calco is working well with Kamara. Schuller, not for me, Clive. Um, and there's other players like Rob Taylor. I think he's a great player, but I don't know if he's the sort that will complement Kamara because Kamara is going to be the number one name on in the midfield anyway. So I think it's something they're going to have to, I'm sure they are planning long-term, but um, you know, yeah. this is where these friendlies suddenly have some use. Yeah. I'm, I'm fundamentally sure the the reason we're playing sort of three at the back in a three, five, two is simply to try and find a, a, a way around the hole that Tim Sparv left in, in the side. Because Kamara and Spav sitting in front of the back four, they both sort of improve the let's say the the robustness of our defence, and they allowed a lot of other players to just move forward and take up sort of wide attacking positions. And since since Spav's stopped playing more regularly, since he moved out of Midtjylland, uh, it's putting somebody next to Kamara that can help get the best out of Glenn because Tim was just brilliant at. His positional sense was fantastic. His tackling was brilliant. His range of passing was brilliant. And in a sense, Kauko is Kauko and, and Schuler are like the two pieces of, of Tim Spav in a sense. Right? That sort of physical, good positioning, good defensive sense, and the ability to pick a pass and and, and sort of get about. Uh, I, I don't think either are quite there yet. I'm I'm, I'm also I like I, I do I want to like Rasmus Schuler. I, I really want him to work. Um, but I think, particularly in the Bosnia game, you know, he gave the ball away a, a lot, and, and he has this habit of, of winning the tackle and, and somehow not winning possession that um, he needs to get past. But um, yeah, I, I really, I, I, I hope Mr. Festa gets him, Senor Festa gets his uh, gets Uncle Festa together in Greece, Uncle Festa, <laughs> and starts putting him in the, in the side because I think, particularly after the campaign we had, Spav, he has to go. Like to the to the Euros, he just has to go. Yeah, you couldn't deny him that after after what he went through getting the team there. You couldn't deny him the chance to. Obviously, it's been delayed, but you couldn't deny him the chance to to lead the side out there. Mm. Just on the just on the Rasmus Schuller point, I think the um, I think we need to give him give him a bit of a chance. He's moved to Uruguay and in in Alsvenskan, and I think um, I think we can all agree that is probably. Uh, Albeit a small step, but a step up from from Vekas Liga. So I think you know if he if he's if he's getting regular game time in in Jurgård and there in in Olsvenskan, we um, we might see him come along a bit. So uh, yeah, I think we need to not 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 give up on him just yet. Yeah, and he did play. He played a lot better against Ukraine. So in the in the Ukraine game, I thought he, I thought he was I thought he was much improved, and he, and. and I think was it the France game as well where he was impressive. Yeah. So you know he's not he's not a bad player. He just just a couple of areas. It's just well, Tim Spav's shoes are well, big shoes to fill. Yeah, I mean it's um it is it is an interesting thing. You know, you you obviously there's there's players are not going to go on forever. They are there are going to be international retirements for whatever reasons, or or even the manager's going to phase them out slowly. But I think we. We're in a, a decent position where we've got a crop of a crop of youngsters coming through. I mean, obviously, we've got our mate Sally Vaisanen, who's um, who's unfortunately got still coming back to full fitness at the moment. He, his brother Leo as well. You know, we mustn't forget them. They're um, 
they they were they were in and around the squad before before they got injured. I mean, um, o, O'Shaughnessy as well, young lad. He's 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 he's. I was just looking. He he's been at a, a fair few clubs, Daniel O'Shaughnessy, and um, you know he's. I mean, you look Cheltenham Town, Brentford, Braintree. He was in Mets in France. Yeah. But you know he's come back to Hoye Corps and turned himself into an international footballer. So um, fair play to him as well, you know. Yeah. Does anyone want to just throw forward a little bit to the Switzerland friendly on Wednesday? Any expectations? I don't think predictions necessarily, but any players you're hoping to see or think we might see? I think it'll be all change. I think I think it'll be all change for both for both sides. So Switzerland, they beat Bulgaria and they beat Liechtenstein before today. Their manager, uh, Stivkovic or Stivkenko or something, can't remember his name. Uh, he's been in the press saying that he's going to give this young keeper a chance because they've got uh, they've they've got Sommer, who's the like number one, who's got sixty or seventy odd caps, and uh, they're going to they're going to give a new lad a chance and a couple of others. So I'd imagine the, the likes of Zakaria, Granit Xhaka, Shedrin, Shakiri, they'll probably won't play. They'll probably be be warm on the bench. It's a shame for Finland if Xhaka's not playing. He's been dog whatever for Arsenal. So, uh, well, speak, I, speaking as an Arsenal fan. I suppose I, I, I suppose there'll not be any requests from Arteta to save him. They'll be just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tire him do out. You think, do you think, guys, that... Um, Jordanum will stay stay in goals, or do you think um, one of the others might get a look in for this uh, this Switzerland game? Be interesting it's, to see um, Ericsson Ericsson have a look. It's a strange scenario because you think Jordanum. I mean, he's pretty much the set number two. My impose there is kind of oh, it sounds awful to say a cheerleader, but the experienced pro um, is available. Uh, Ericsson, I don't think many people would have seen him as that next. You know, that as a potential number three, but obviously with Yakala wasn't was he not available for was he injured this time as well? I can't remember. No, um, he's, he's he's not injured, but um, no. he's playing for Bristol, but it's League Two and he's thirty four. So yeah, I, maybe he's still on his extended paternity leave. I think that was why he missed the last squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder, you know, perhaps I, I, I'd be surprised if Joran had played. I think um, after two sort of full ninety minutes of competitive games. Again, Pookie, but you know they've all travelled, which is half the issue, I suppose. You know the clubs aren't going to be happy, especially. I mean, my Twitter is now full of Norwich fans over the last two years of people worried that Pookie's going to get injured. But you know, he's played ninety minutes twice and yeah. run for ninety minutes twice. Yeah. Um, he's now travelled to Switzerland. Um, presumably, he's not going to play, but I don't know. It's um, just this strange. Window. I don't know having a having a third game. I know why they've got it, but it's it's just you know for for players like him, you think he could probably do with that rest. You know, especially with, you know he's still got a busy. I mean, Norwich are likely to get promoted back to the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I can't I can't see Bookie playing. But I think the the, the only the only sort of uh, spanner in that works is after the three goals, he might be looking at the Switzerland game thinking. I, I, have I, I just need a brace and I've got <laughs> and I've got Litty's record. So Well he's come out and said last week if he doesn't break the record this year, he'll be disappointed. I mean he only needs two to equal it. Yeah. And in a lot fewer games as well. Um I think when he equaled Forsell's record on Wednesday, I think they'd had 
so. exactly the same number of caps at the same at that, at that point. Obviously, for sale, um kept on playing for another couple of years. But I think, um, yeah, Littman and two more goals. Um, and uh, I mean, if yeah, he's got what? How many more games this calendar year? Eight, nine, possibly. So yeah. He, he will do it, but I, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to start. And then also you've got to think Reitala hobbled off, Granlund's left the squad, Schuller, Schuller hobbled off, Kauko had a mm. knock. So I think I think anybody that put in a proper shift in these last two games will probably get bench warming yes. for for the best of it. I would like to see Yolle for like an hour mm. or more, like and I'd like to see uh, Force as well, like. Like get get a get a, get a good stretch because I thought his games against uh, his games in the end of the last year, France in particular, I thought he was mm. really good. So there'll be a lot of players there chomping at the bit that want to get on that want to play. So yeah, even if it's a even if it's a, a sort of not first choice team, it's not necessarily a weak team. It's a, that's a big big difference nowadays. Yeah, Robert Taylor only got like what did he get ten minutes? Mm. Something like, that. mm. like that's I think that's a, it's a crying shame. He's a, he's yeah. a hell of a player. I mean, when, so when he played, yeah. I mean, when Taylor, I, I know he, he doesn't play, but his games in the autumn in the Nations League, he played really well. Um, so, and are we forgotten about Burusoiri? Yeah, it was like two years ago. It was a goal every other game. Like he was, he was on mm. fire, and he's in the squad. He's in, he's, he's, he seems to be suffering from this formation as well. You know, being. Yeah. about as close to an old school winger as there is mm-hmm. in the squad and now that there's wing backs um you know he's the sort of player that in a 442 would you know make great hay and all of a sudden now it's um yeah he's he's getting sort of minutes as an impact sub if that i mean he's not come on in the last couple of games has he so no. i think um yeah that almost collateral damage and is the game available to watch in the same places via free over here <clears throat> yep. Yeah. So it's via free over here, uh, for sure. See, I doubt it will be on Sky. Yeah. But so they, get yeah, contacts, free over well. here as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Get your get your VPNs out and your Safari browsers, and away you go, everyone. Uh, I think that's it. That this is this nice short review of the last two games has lasted the best part of an hour, just as Mrs. W predicted. So let maybe we should knock it on the head now. Um, what does Mrs. W reckon the score is going to be against Switzerland? Then? I haven't. I haven't asked her. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to edit it in after post production. I'll get her predictions and edit it. Just to tidy up this point of admin, I can confirm that Mrs. Wiltshire thinks it will be a two 0 away win to Finland. Our predictions for the games went quite well this year. Yeah, you got yeah, the yeah. last one. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yours did. That's why he mentions it, I'm sure. All right. Um, Keke, thanks for thanks for joining again. Nice to see you. No, thank you guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Mark. Cheers. And thanks a lot, Rich. There you go. Remember to follow Finnish Football Show on whatever choice of social media you prefer. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, in various various different guises. Um, you'll find the links in the in the show description for today's episode. And I guess we'll be back sometime in April, perhaps to do that Bakehouse Liga preview show. Now that the league's been pushed back a little way, we'll uh, we'll look at the um, transfers and maybe some predictions for the, for the new season. So until the next episode, 
Thanks for joining. Bye-bye.